God's word tells us to, to be anxious for nothing, right? You've heard that. Um, when I think of the word anxious, I actually think about being ready to go. Is that what you think about? Like, I'm just, I'm just ready to go. Now, now, what God's word's really referring to is for you to not have anxiety, for you to not worry. If you want me to not worry, then we got to be ready to go. <laughs> and this is what I mean. I can't stand to be late. Is there anybody here that is like that? Okay, let me ask you a different question. Are there any women in here that are like that? Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm getting some flack from right here on, the, on my left, so just so you know, there are daggers being fired up here at me. That's all right. I got the, the armor of God on today, so get thee behind me, Satan. So anyway... I am one of those people. I do not like to be late. I have got to be early for everything. If you've ever traveled with me anywhere, our 20-somethings know this about me, that, that if I say that we're leaving at 7.30, that at 7.31, you're going to be standing in the parking lot going, where did everybody go? You know what I mean? I do not like to be late for anything. If you want me to be anxious, if you want me to worry, then you, be, you make me late. But if you want me to be okay, then, 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 then you let my, my anxiousness, being ready to go, you let that that work itself out and then let me be early, okay? Um, now, now you guys know that I, I get, I don't know if I have ADHD. I don't know what it is. I don't know what makes me talk so fast. I don't know what it makes me, that, that I, I get up at, 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 you know, 5 o'clock in the morning. It's like late for me on Sunday mornings, like 4.45. I'm like anxious to get up and to go and to, to I'm just ready to come here. At 7 o'clock I come and I make sure the doors are unlocked if they aren't already and I'm setting the air conditioning even though it's set automatically and all this kind of stuff. I'm just like, I'm ready to go. You know, I'm just like, I'm, I'm just like that. And we just got back from a, a trip to Give Kids the World. Um, that's why I'm wearing the shirt today. So uh, several of us went down there to serve at a kid. Uh, it's, it's a village for kids uh, that have had life-threatening illnesses and they go from there and they go to Disney World and SeaWorld and, and Universal Studios and, and all these places. They, they go to these places from this village and it's just an amazing place to serve, right? So, like, we had to be there at 7.30. Our shift started at 7.30. I'm like, we, it takes 15 minutes to get there. So 7.30 minus 15 minutes, that means that we got to leave at 6.50, right? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's just the way my mind works, right? Willie's like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. So, so it, like, like, we're loading up at 6.50. We get there. Because you never know, man. They're, they're, I, li- listen, I was on the, I, we were driving down the interstate yesterday. I kid you not, I-75 going north towards Atlanta, coming back from Orlando. There was a dude running down the interstate. I don't mean that he was in the median. I don't mean that he was on the shoulder. He was in the middle of I-75, four lanes, and he was running down the middle in all white clothes. I don't know if he escaped from somewhere. I'm not sure. I'm not making this up. I couldn't make this up. I'm telling you. We're driving along and traffic starts to slow down like it often does on I-75. And I'm like, and Cassie, no, I'm telling the truth, aren't I? So I, traffic starts to slow down. I'm like, is there a wreck up there? And, and Cassie goes, hey. And this, this is the way my wife works. Like, hey, there's a guy running, y'all. I said, and, and of course, y'all, y'all know what my phrase is, right? Y'all know what I say. Do what? That's a southern thing, in case you don't, if you're from the north, you don't know what that means. It means, what the heck are you talking about? Do what? And she says, now, there's, y'all, there's a guy running down the interstate. I kid you not, four lanes of traffic, I-75 north, right south of Atlanta, and he's running down the middle. Now, I will give him this. I will give him this. He was staying on that dotted line. He was not. 
I mean, you know, he was crazy, but not too crazy. He knew to stay on the line, you know, like, and he was running. I thought maybe there was an accident up there. He was going to rescue somebody. No, no, he was running. He had somewhere to go, y'all. I mean, he, 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 was, he was running hard, too. And, and Kasha said, aren't you going to get over? I said, no, I'm not going to miss this. This dude is running down 75. I got to see this. And, and we, we, we put, we're riding up beside him. We're doing about 30, you know. We're riding up beside him. And he finally slows down, starts pulling up his pants, you know. Like, no, no big deal. I'm just running down 75. I was like, I appreciate his enthusiasm. You know, he knows where he's got to go. He knows I-75 will get him there. So he just went down the interstate, you know. Nobody would give him a ride, and he just goes down the interstate. I thought that was pretty amazing. I'm not making that up, y'all. Please don't think I'm making that up. Kenny's just making up stories, trying to make, make us laugh today. No, that really happened yesterday. Um, so anyway, it made us a little bit later getting home. We had lots of traffic stuff on I-75 yesterday, but I, I, I am, I, I'm the kind of person that wants to be early to stuff. If I'm doing a wedding, if I'm doing a funeral, whatever the case may be, if I'm preaching at a different location, I'm going to try to be there like an hour early. I just got to be, I got to be ready to go. I, I think that that, I'm not, not pointing fingers at him, I think that may be like a rare thing these days. I think that most people are like, like late is fine. You know what I mean? Like, like we don't have to be early for anything. It's okay. We'll be there. You know, you can tell that in Simple Church because if you look at the difference between the first song and the third song of Simple Church, you'll see that it's about 50% more full. Am I right about that? And there, there are people chuckling right now. And the funny thing about it is people are chuckling, the ones that come in late, by the way. So, but, I, I mean, if we are truly, if we're truly believing that we are in the presence of Jesus Christ in here, why in the world would we be late to that? And I'm not getting on being late to church because that's, that's small potatoes. I'm talking about the, the, the warning and the passion to, be, to, to, to take advantage of the time that we have, man. I really believe that if Jesus was getting up here to speak on Sunday morning, if he was going to be leading worship for us, I believe we'd probably be early. Would we not? We'd be like, I'm not missing that, man. And the reality is that... that, that that when we come in here, we say that we're in the presence of Jesus, right? We say that all the time. So what's the difference? If he's here, he's here. So why, why do we wait? Why, why are we procrastinating? Why are we slowly doing things? Jesus says you've got to be ready to go. You, you, you can't waste time. You can't waste time. One thing I know about other religions is they are all about end times prophecy. Okay, I've got a Jehovah's Witness. That he used to come to my house. I'm kind of sad I hadn't seen Steve in a while, but he used to come to my house, and we would talk about the Bible a lot. So it was really cool that, that he would come, and he was, like, trying to evangelize me. I'd never told him I was a pastor. I hope he's not watching Facebook because he's going to figure out I'm a pastor here. He's going to stop coming to the house. But anyway, so, like, like he, 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 would give me, he would leave these tracks when, 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 I, when I wasn't there, and it would all, it'd be like pictures of Adolf Hitler and, and like nuclear weapons and all kinds of like end time stuff, man. Like the end is coming. And, and, and I will say this about the Jehovah's Witnesses. They're going out there, man. They are knocking on doors. They really believe that the end times are here. And, and I kind of appreciate that kind of enthusiasm that they have because most Christians are just like, yeah, hey, man, Jesus is going to come back sometime. He's... Yeah, he's probably, he's probably coming. We should probably do something about that. And there's family members and friends that we have and never been in church. or, You know, they came to church for a little while. It wasn't for them, so they left and didn't really come back. And Yeah, they come to Thanksgiving, and 
we don't really talk about Jesus. We don't really pray over the meal before we eat. But, you know, oh, yeah, it's, I mean, kind of lackadaisical about it, right? I, I think we should be more like Jehovah's Witnesses in that respect. I think that we should be more anticipating of the end times. You know, we've been in this series called Kairos, right? I'm talking about a particular a, a time, you know, like right now, you know, like, like a God time, a God moment, if you will. Like right now. And Jesus told all the people that were there around him. And I mean, this, he's like, y'all are looking at the weather and you can see this about to rain. I mean, you see a storm approach. He said, but you are missing the current time. You're missing, obviously, what's right in front of your nose. You're missing the current times with the goings on right now. You're missing it. You're not seeing it for what it is. And I think, I think that Jesus is constantly showing us, man, you have got to be ready. You have got to, got to be uh, in, this, in this mindset that Jesus is coming back at any point in time, that Jesus is, is right here. And you've you got to be at this point in your life where you understand that. See, see, the people at that point in time, they were missing the fact that Jesus was right there in front of him. And then Paul goes on to tell us over and over again, man, like, like we're at the end, y'all. And that was 2,000 years ago when he wrote those things. We're at the end, y'all. That's what he's saying. Like, you got to understand how important it is for us to get on board right now because we're at the end, y'all. Yeah. I really believe that if we were more in that mindset, we, we, we'd be more conscientious. We'd be more on fire. We'd be more passionate about bringing people into the kingdom, about showing them the love of Christ. Do you know that song? You've heard that song, uh, Live Like You Were Dying. You remember that song? Uh, wrote a bull named Fu Manchu. You know what I'm talking about? That song right there. I, I gave forgiveness that I've been denying. You know, I actually like that song. I don't know if there's bad words in it. I hope not. And he's telling me I like that song, but I don't think that there is. But, but like, I finally read the good book. That's what he says. You know, he's talking about the Bible. You know, some people that don't really read the Bible, they call it the good book, but it's actually the Bible. Is what it is. So, I finally read the good book. You know, I gave forgiveness I've been denying. I finally went fishing, all this kind of stuff. He goes on and on about these things that he did when he lived like he, well, he was dying. I think that we got to live as Christians, live like we are dying. Think about the forgiveness that you would have in your heart for the people that, that are around you, that maybe have wronged you. Man, if you live like you were about to die tomorrow, I promise you, you would live in a whole different mindset. But I believe as Christians, we're called to, to be that way, to live like we're dying tomorrow, to live like Jesus is coming tomorrow. But I see so much just, eh, it'll be okay. Christians living their lives like with no anticipation of the coming of Christ, with no anticipation. Man, we were, we were on an elevator. I was on an elevator with about four or five Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, we, were, we were on our way to, to Disney World. We actually spent a couple of days at Disney World after serving at Give Kids the World, and we were on our way down there. Of course, I got up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm like waking a family up going like, look, Disney's open, y'all. We got to get there, you know. So, um, so I, I'm up like I normally am because I, I can't sleep or whatever. So, um, and, and I'm on this elevator with these Jehovah's Witnesses. And I was like, I was praying. I was like, God, please let this elevator get stuck. Please, just let it break down. I don't care if I'm here for two days. I don't care. Please, God, just... Shut the doors. You know, I would love to witness to these people. I'd love to talk to them and, and all this kind of stuff. And Because I just got to thinking, man, these people are here in Orlando, and they're, they're going to some Jehovah's Witness conference, and they, the whole hotel was actually covered up with Jehovah's Witnesses, believe it or not. That's what kind of made me think about that. And, and, and they are so 
passionate about evangelism. 8.42 million evangelizing Jehovah's Witnesses in the world. I mean, just going out and knocking on doors, telling people about Jesus. Uh, not about Jesus. They're telling people about their version of Jesus, not really about what, what the truth of God's Word says. And let me tell you something about Jehovah's Witnesses. You ever seen anybody want to cut and paste their theology together, man? That's what Jehovah's Witnesses do, and it drives me nuts. And they know that when they come to my house, because I'll be like, okay, we've got to read the whole thing here, y'all. You can't just... Just pick a verse, we've got to read the whole thing. So anyway, so they're, they're, they're like, they're evangelizing out there. And I'm like, man, why aren't Christians being more like this? Why aren't we living like it's the end times, like today's going to be the last day? Why aren't we living like, man, we are dying today? And I think, I think, I think Paul, as he's talking to the Roman church, he's, he's trying to, to show them that. And he, he starts talking about how you've got a new life in Christ, and you've got to put on that new life. And that's where we're going to be in Romans chapter 13. We're going to kind of get a running start at this, but I'll just tell you that he's talking about things like paying your taxes, submitting to authority, the, the, the places in, in government that, that have been put over, over top of you. Okay, we're not going to get into all that today, but I think, I think we'll see what Paul is getting to, okay? The reason that he's, he's saying this stuff in, in chapter 13, beginning of verse 8, it says this, it says, Owe nothing to anyone except your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the requirements say you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These are and other such commandments are summed up by this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is what Jesus said. He said, you know, when they asked him, say, so how do, you, how do you summarize what is the most important commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he kind of summarizes Ten Commandments into these things. And, and Paul's just kind of reiterating that, that this is what Jesus said, that you'll, if you love your neighbor as yourself, you'll do these things. We've got, we got to get down just a couple more verses here to see why it is that Paul is saying this. He says, love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of God's law. So he's talking about love, and he's talking about loving your neighbor. He's just been talking about submitting to the government, the authority that's been put over you. Now he's talking about paying taxes. Now he's talking about not committing uh, uh, all these sins against God's law, and he's talking about love. And then it gets to the point. I think this is what Paul is trying to drive home here. He says, this is all the more urgent for you. Know how late it is. Time is running out. This is that kairos. This is where the, the message is today, that kairos. Time is running out. He says, you know how late it is. You know how long the clock's been ticking. And you know that, that the king is going to return to set up his earthly kingdom. That to finally do away with evil on the earth forever. You know that the, the king is coming, right? You know, just like Jesus said, you're failing to discern the times. You're failing to see what's going on right in front of you. I think Paul is saying the same message here. This current time, you're failing to see that we're at the end. That, that, that all that other stuff, I mean, like, like people want to rebel against the government and, and, and shake their fist against the government. And, and some people here, they, they're all about, you know, just rebelling against uh, politicians and, and stupid laws and all that. And I'm not saying that we should just go along with whatever the government says. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that it's okay for us as Christians to stand up for what we believe and, and, and try to influence laws and influence our, our senators and our legislators later. So I, I believe that we're supposed to do that. But I believe this. You know what I believe is more important than that? To love your neighbor. That we should spend more time doing that than we are rebelling against 
any kind of authority that's been put over us. Because the most important thing is that we're at the end times. So let's say that you're dying tomorrow, okay? Let's, let's say that tomorrow's going to be your very last day for your very last breath, okay? Think about the things that you would do if that was the case. Would you write a letter to your senator and, and like, go, go march on Washington and all that kind of stuff? Would that be the first thing that you did? Or would you go to that family member that you know is lost and would you talk to them and say, look, I'm going to be with Jesus tomorrow and I want you to know how good he is. Would you look at the people that, that owe you something? Maybe they've done something against you and, and you would say, look, I need to go to them. I need to reconcile. I need to make things right with them. If you were living like you were dying, I mean, what would be the most important things in your life? I don't think that those things are, are not important. Don't get me wrong. I think that those things are good and it's good for us to stand up for what we believe, but I don't think they should be the most important thing. And I believe that that's the message that Paul's trying to say here. Like, like look, I know that you don't like being taxed. You know, nobody likes taxes, okay? I'm number one on that list. But, but the thing is, that's not where our fight belongs. That's not the most, most pressing thing we got going on here. The most pressing thing that we've got going on right here is the fact that, you know, time is running out. That, that the king is coming. That... that all these people that you know that, that, that aren't in my kingdom, that they're going to suffer eternal destruction and eternal separation. And don't you know that's the most important thing? We tend to fill our lives with a lot of stuff, try to fill up our, our time with a lot of things. And, 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 and time is a precious thing. And I think as Christians, we don't recognize what a precious thing time is. I don't think we recognize the urgency of the gospel. I don't think we recognize how we're supposed to be every single day living like we are indeed dying tomorrow. I, I, Kayla often talks about a mission trip we took to Lake Charles, Louisiana. Um, that was one of the first trips Kayla and I ever took together. Um, and, and we talk about that trip a lot. Well, I remember distinctly, we were sharing the gospel. Cassie shared the gospel with an eight-year-old girl, and she was like five years old at that point in time. And um, like I, I just remember people just sharing the gospel they never had before and they were just talking about how empowered they felt by the Holy Spirit and how God was leading them and, and like and, and we had students coming up to us going hey can we stop by this mall that's on the way so we can share the gospel with people on our way back so that we, we can lead people to Christ so that they will know Jesus and we we're like well we really don't have time for that your parents are expecting us to bring you home you know and, and, and we got to just eat and we got to get on down the road kind of thing and, and the words that were said to me by a student were, but these people might die tomorrow. And then they're going to die and be separated from God. And don't you understand how urgent this is? And I said, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And that's exactly the attitude that you need to have a week from now once we get back home. Because it's great to have that attitude right now when we're on this mission trip and you feel so empowered by the Holy Spirit because you're getting out of your comfort zone and sharing the gospel with some people that you don't even know. But when he gets back home and they're the friends that have the locker beside you, you need to have that same attitude with them as you have right now, that there's an urgency to it, that you have very little time, that they could die tomorrow and be forever separated from God. You need to have that same kind of urgency. I know, I know that life gets in the way, right? I know that, that things creep up and, 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 and like they're bad hair days and that's the reason you're coming in late to church and all that. I get that, okay? So there, there's life stuff that comes up. And I know that the cancer comes up and I know that bad things happen and, 
and I know that cars break down and, and radiators leak and all that kind of stuff. I got it, okay? But that shouldn't deter you from every single day thinking about the urgency of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That shouldn't deter you from saying, you know what? It's just another day. It's just another day. Because for us as Christians, it's not just another day. He says, this is all the more urgent for you. Know how late it is. You know the truth. You know that we don't have much time. You know that time is running out. You know this. That's the reason you're supposed to be anxious. That's the reason you're supposed to be in a hurry for this gospel message. This is what he says. Wake up. For your salvation is, is, is nearer now than when we first believed. What is he saying here? He's saying the time when Jesus returns is, is, is present, man. It's, it's just closer now than the time when you first believed. When the time you came to salvation. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like old clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we, we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in darkness of wild parties or drunkenness and, and sexual promiscuity and immoral, immoral living or in quarreling or, and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourselves in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let, your, let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Now, I love to talk about this because people really don't want me to talk about it. But they, some people do, some people don't. I don't really care. Um, but one of the things, I, I know that it talks about sexual immorality. And, and, and I know that it talks about uh, in quarreling and jealousy. Which, by the way, I think Christians indulge in that than probably any other sin. In quarreling and jealousy. If you're, if you're about to die tomorrow, I don't believe that you're going to be so worried about bickering over stupid little things or being jealous of what somebody else has. But he also says, wild parties and drunkenness. There we go. Kenny's got to get on the drunkenness thing. Is it, is it a sin to drink? Man, people love to talk about that, especially in the South. Is it, is it a sin to drink? This is my answer to that. Okay? Um, I, I get this question a lot, so I, I feel like we have to address it a lot. Is it a sin to drink? No, it is not a sin to drink. I do, however, believe it is a sin to waste your time. If you see that drinking is a waste of your time, then probably drinking is a sin. I believe, sin, I believe drinking leads your, uh, drops your, uh, your inhibitions. We know scientifically proven that it does that. And you're more likely to indulge in other sins as a result of your inhibitions being lowered. And I believe that it's a waste of time is what I really believe it to be. That's why people call it getting wasted. Because it's a waste of time. If you're really urgent about the gospel, if you're really urgent about Jesus Christ and people knowing the truth of God, let's say you're going to die tomorrow and you've got family members they don't know Jesus, and you're really passionate about Jesus and the fact that you're going to spend tomorrow with him, do you think that you're going to go out and say, man, I just need to drink tonight. That's what I really need to do. Or are you going to take more advantage of that time? You're going to take advantage of every single moment that you have so that, that you're, just, you're just passionate about what's going to happen next. I, I think that so many times we get wrapped up in so many other things, and you know what I believe that drinking is? It's just a distraction from the gospel. I think, I think it's just pointing you away from on something you could be doing that's good. That's, that's what I believe that it is. And, and I believe also that, that 
it causes destruction in families. Nobody ever talks about the fact that, you know, so-and-so, they started, uh, they started drinking and destroyed their family. You know, I mean, we don't, we don't really talk about that a lot, but it happens all the time. And then when they started drinking, they didn't think that that was what was going to happen. They just, it's just what happened over time. I had a friend of mine who was a, a pastor, and he said this. He said, I, I never once heard anybody say, you know what? My life was going downhill. I'd lost my job. My family was falling apart. My kids were rebelling against me. I, I, I was just depressed and, and just burdened with everything. And then I started drinking and everything turned around. My kids came back to the house. Me and my wife had a better relationship. I had more passion for work. And I went out to try to make a living for myself. All because I started drinking. You never hear that story, do you? Huh. Isn't that weird? Nobody ever starts out thinking it's going to happen that way, man. You don't, see, you don't talk to people that abuse drugs on a regular basis going, man, man, I, I, I knew the moment I tried it, I knew I was going to be an addict forever. You don't, they don't say that. It's a slow fade, right? It's just a little, little bit and a 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 little bit. And before you know it, they're a million miles from where they started, where they thought they would be. That's how it works, man. That's how it works. Now, we can work all day to try to justify it in our minds, and, and some of you are doing that right now, and that's okay. That's okay. But my hope and my prayer is that you won't waste your time. My hope and my prayer is that you'll see that getting wasted is a waste. He says, put on. So he says, wake up, take off, and put on. Okay? Now, a lot of people, they have the wake up moment. Right? A lot of people, they go, they're, they're, God's speaking to them. God's challenging them. They come in here. Maybe they, they hear a message on a Sunday or Wednesday, and God wakes them up. It's like, whoa, you know, I, I heard you, God. Maybe for the first time ever, I was listening, and, and you woke me up, and I, I'm awake now. I, I got my eyes fixed on you. I, I'm, I'm, I, okay, I got just a little bit of time, and they wake up, and then they, they take off. And they say, okay, I'm done with this sin, man. I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm done with um, all this heartache that comes from the fact that I'm not forgiven. I, I'm, I'm done with all that stuff. I'm done with the fact that, that man, I, I've got all these burdens from, from sickness or, or, or family members that have walked away from me and all this. I, and I'm just I'm laying that all aside. And Jesus, you own my life. And they feel this tremendous weight lifted off their shoulders. And, and it's like they're on cloud nine. And, and they, they feel that, right? And they experience the take off. But what they fail to do is to put on. He says, he says, put on the new clothes of right living. Put, put on. So this is what it's equivalent to, right? So, so God wakes you up. It's like him putting the, the key in, in, in the cell door, right? And he unlocks it, man. He wakes you up. Boom! Like, wow! And then you surrender your heart and life to Jesus Christ, and the door comes swinging open. Right? And, and, and you're free. You're set free. But you know what so many people lack? So many people, what they don't do, they never walk out the door. They just sit there in the jail cell with the door standing wide open. Man, you're free to go. And they never put on. They never, they, they never say, you know what? I, I've been given this new life in Christ, and I'm going to walk in it now. They, they leave the door cell standing wide open, and they just continue to sit there and rot in the place that they are. And they, they fail to put on. Part of that? It's because they don't see the urgency 
of reaching others for Christ. Uh, this, this, there's a big churchy word, and I, I say this a lot, and it's worth repeating. So, I'm, you know, preachers repeat themselves a lot. So I'm going to say it again. There's this big churchy word called sanctification, and that is where the Holy Spirit of God impresses upon your heart the things that you should do to become more and more like Christ. Now, you have a choice as to whether or not you listen to that Holy Spirit or not. If you don't, if you continue to do things to rebel against that Holy Spirit, you quench the Spirit. You, you, you soften His voice so it's more and more difficult to discern where He's leading you, the things He's telling you to do to be more and more like Christ. This is the process of sanctification as you walk in that person that God has called you to be now. Okay, That's that big churchy word, sanctification, if you've ever wondered what that meant. Have you ever thought about the reason for sanctification? So God rescued you from your sin. You'll spend eternity with Him. You'll spend forever in the presence of God Almighty. So why then would it even matter what I did after that point in time? Why even would it? Would it I mean, can't I just continue to do whatever? I mean, God saved me, rescued me from my sins, past, present, and future. Why in the world would it even matter what I do after then? Can't I just do whatever I wanted to? I'm saved, y'all. Have you ever thought about the fact that sanctification is not for you but for everybody around you? For you to continue to put on so that everybody can look at you and say, man, that's a changed person. Not only was the door cell opened for them, it was unlocked and it was open for them. But man, they are walking a new life in Christ. And man, I want to be part of that. I want to have whatever they got. You know, you ever thought about that that would be the reason for you to put on and so that other people can see the new clothes that you have, the new person that you are, the sanctified person that you are? You continue to respond to the Holy Spirit, which tells you and inspires you to share the gospel with, with, with a certain sense of urgency about it. And if you do that, then you're going to continue to put on the righteousness of God. You're going to continue to clothe yourself with that right living that God has given you the opportunity to have so that people can look at you. And that can be what's called in the Christian world your testimony. A transformed life. It's called a testimony. Have you ever thought about it? If that's the reason to stay away from drunkenness and sexual immorality and quarreling and jealousy. If that's the reason. Because you've got an urgency for the gospel. You know that you don't have very long. That the time is at hand. That the end is near. The kairos is right here in front of us. And instead of doing what God has called us to do, we're wasting our time. We're wasting our time. I want you to understand the urgency. And it immediately brought this passage to mind. Jesus, these are the words of Jesus that um, I feel like I needed to read these to you. It's the parable of the ten bridesmaids, and you may or may not have heard this before, but in Matthew 25, I just want you to listen for just a second. As Jesus is talking about the urgency of being ready, as he's talking to unbelievers, and he's trying to show them that, man, the kingdom of God is at hand. And this is what he says in Matthew 25, beginning of verse 1, it says this, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish did not take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise, wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by, by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. 
All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast. And the door was locked. Later, the other five bridesmaids returned and stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch. For you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Jesus is saying, be ready. Be ready. Have a sense of urgency about what you're doing and how you're living and understanding that, man, we don't have much time. and We don't know the hour of his return. So we've got to be ready. I'm not standing up here to preach end times prophecy like the Jehovah's Witnesses do and try to scare you with all the events that are going on around us because this is the truth. You say, what's got to happen for the end times to come? What's got to happen for us to uh, experience the rapture of the church or, or the, the second coming of Christ. What's still left to happen, prophetically speaking? What's still left to happen? Nothing. He could come at any time. He could be here tomorrow, today, the next hour, the next second. The truth is, is that we don't know the hour. But we know this, that the, 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 the time is prepared. The question is this, are you missing the time? Are you wasting the time? Do you recognize the urgency of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you spend your time more worried about everything else in the world instead of Jesus and, and sharing Jesus with other people? Is love the primary voice that comes out of your, your heart? Is it one of compassion and, and, and forgiveness? Or is it one of inquarreling and jealousy? Do you spend your time with drunkenness or foolish things? Things with, like immorality, sexual immorality that are just going to distract you from the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, really, the, the question is this, is how do you spend your time? For you in your life, is it a kairos? Is it a recognizing of the time that we have right now and understanding that it's urgent? That he's coming quickly. And he could be here in any moment. Let's pray. Father, Lord, thank you for the fact that we have your word. God, thank you for the fact that Jesus himself, he, he spoke about the fact that we need to be prepared, that we do not know the hour of his return, that the bridegroom is indeed coming, that the church is to be the bride and he is to be the bridegroom. And God, we need to be prepared. God, we get distracted by so many other things, Father. You know the things that come against us, the things that interfere. Lord, but I pray that that not be that would not be a distraction to us. God, I pray that we do not indulge in those things that are a distraction. I pray that we are fixed on your gospel and on the truth of your word. And I pray that we are, our eyes are fixed on those that need you. I pray that we wouldn't be time wasters. God, that we'd be passionate about you, passionate about your gospel, and passionate about loving other people. Father, I know that you've spoken to hearts today. I know that your Holy Spirit has moved. The question now is, will we respond? So, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to pursue us right now. That your Holy Spirit would continue to convict us and show us 
Lord, if there's somebody here that does not know you, I pray that they'd come to repentance for the first time ever in their life and they would surrender to you wholly and you would be their Lord. God, there are others that recognize that they've wasted time. God, there are others that recognize that they've done things to to allow the distractions of this world to get between them and you and, and your gospel. And Lord, I just pray that today that we come and lay those things down at your altar. And then there are some people here, Lord, that recognize that they don't have much time left and that their life could end tomorrow apart from you. Lord, I just pray that they recognize that, that you could come at any moment, that their life could end at any moment, and they would be standing in your presence giving an account for whether or not they acknowledged you as Lord on this earth. Lord, I just pray that you would do a great work, that your Holy Spirit, that he would move, God, that we would respond, and you would receive glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Would everyone stand?